Welcome to Parents' Rights Now, a production of Parents' Rights in Education, hosted by Suzanne Gallagher. We are committed to valuing students, empowering parents, and supporting communities to secure great educations for public school children in America. PRE welcomes all students, families, and community members who care about scholastic success for K-12 public school students. Visit our website, parentsrightsined.org, and like us on Facebook. Join us by filling out the form on our website titled, Join Us. You will find information regarding issues and information about local and state chapters. What is our role and what is yours? Every individual in the United States has a proper role as a citizen, and government entities have roles, and organizations, like ours, have roles too. Somehow these roles have been forgotten, or at the very least, the lines have become blurred. This is where civil rights come in, isn't it? Our rights, defined by the United States Constitution, and similar documents and laws governing other nations have adopted for their citizens. By the way, we do not subscribe to the United Nations for inspiration. You do you, and we'll do us. Well, this is also obvious, you might say. However, many parents are ambiguous about their roles and those of the state institutions called public schools. Last week, I interviewed for a vacant school board position in my local school district. The board prepared several questions for the applicants. Although they seemed appropriate, there was an underlying agenda which was quickly revealed. You are probably wondering why I would spend time doing this. I wrote about the school district controversy surrounding the vacant seat, which was held by a man who took a job in Colorado, but did not resign from his post on the Oregon School Board. Parents' rights in education demanded his resignation and encouraged citizens to apply. So, I decided to put my name where my mouth is and do so myself. Besides, I was curious about how the board would approach the interview process. The first question pertained to involvement in the district, including parent groups, committees, etc. There's an underlying disdain for anyone like me who has done many other things in life, such as living in the district. I've lived in the district for 42 years. Also was actively involved in local school committees for our three children who attended four of the schools in the district, two high schools, a grade school, and a middle school. And then I served on a local school committee for three years. That was an elected position. But now six of Eight of our grandchildren have attended schools in this district, and two graduated from the high school. Equally important is the financial contribution that our family has made to the district, over $175,000 net over 42 years. 
I'd say I'm highly qualified, wouldn't you? Then the second question was, uh, what does it mean for you to have a commitment to equity? Okay, here we go. Now the truth is coming out. They also asked, how have you demonstrated that commitment? And how would you see yourself, specifically as it relates to this statement, around centering? So their plan states, we will provide equitable educational opportunities in a school experience that is validating, empowering, and just for every student. This sounds like a diversity, equity, inclusion test, doesn't it? They've made up their mind. This is the status quo. This is how they will judge applicants. DEI. Get ready. Wow, that's quite a statement, isn't it? How can they guarantee that, that this is going to happen? How individual students respond to the opportunities that are offered to them is not under the control of the school board. I responded this way. I said, equitable educational opportunities. Now, the term equitable is not the same as equity. Ha <laughs> ha, caught him on that one. What does it mean? So I told them what it meant. I looked it up and I said, just or fair, dealing fairly and equally with everyone. They reached an equitable settlement of their dispute fighting for a more equitable distribution of funds, an equitable system of taxation. The word actually uh, pertains to a great degree to money. And I told them, I am committed to equitable educational opportunities. Something that is equitable does not unduly benefit one person more than any other person. That's what it means. That's the end result. That question, of course, indicates where this board stands in their implementation of diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's everything to them. And of course, we do not subscribe to that pedagogy. Their next question had to do with the role of the school board. What do you believe the role of the school board is in supporting the public education of the students at Tiger Tualatin School District? I said, the role of the board is to reflect the values of all citizens in their district and provide quality academic education, equipping all students to lead independent, productive lives. And that includes me. Interesting all the citizens in their district, which includes me, right? They represent me and they represent you. Now, if you ask this board what they believe the role of the school district is, and I'm, I, I didn't ask them the question because I knew they wouldn't answer it, but I will assure you that they believe the role of the school board is to support the students, is to ask the students what they want not the citizens who are paying the bill, not the citizens who elected them. We know what these students are being taught. They are being taught that they know what's best for them, 
not to listen to their parents, but to make decisions on their own. And they are also tutored in critical race theory and other pedagogies, empowering them to believe that they have rights and they should decide their own futures. Would you ask one of them what they should be taught? I don't think so. They're young, they're impressionable, and they have been indoctrinated. The students are minors. They don't vote because they have don't have real-world experience and they don't pay taxes. Oh, and that leads us to question number four. Who do you believe the school board ultimately serves? Interesting. Ultimately, that is a very curious word. I think the board ultimately serves all the citizens and families in their respective school district. We are the electorate, and they are our representatives. Hmm. Because, again, we're the ones paying for it. We're the ones that they serve, and they do represent all of us, not just the students. Moving on, question number five. The board asked, what do you see as the district's major challenges and opportunities? I said, I would like to see diversity, equality, and inclusiveness on this board and at the schools within our district. Academic instruction has been overshadowed by politics and ideologies, not all students, families, or administrators subscribe to. Many people, including employees, students, and families, are leaving public schools and the state of Oregon. They are not accepted, celebrated, or treated equally. Two years ago, a group of parents submitted a proposal to remove students whose parents are Christian conservatives. This division and bias has to stop. The best way to do it is to remove politics from the classroom and school activities, honor other people's value systems, and stick to academic studies and practical life skills so lacking in today's culture. Let's get back to the subject of proper roles. Here at Parents' Rights in Education, we listen to parents. Why? Because they report to us what is really happening. For example, the father of a five-year-old contacted us with a concern. The school psychologist told him she thought it would be appropriate to begin using female pronouns to refer to his son. Dad was not happy about that. He contacted us, and we cautioned him not to declare to this individual any opposition or support for the pronoun suggestion. We know from experience not to sign anything giving the school permission 
to initiate social transitioning at school. Why? Well, because if you change your mind, there is no recourse. You have signed away your rights to determine how the school will proceed on the transitioning path. In addition, if you indicate to school officials you are not supportive of their agenda and your child's gender identity, they may call Child Protective Services and remove he or she from your home. We encourage this dad to make sure his son not only know his body parts are those of a boy, but take extra measures to adapt his wardrobe and outward appearance to his sex, his biological sex. You see, this boy appeared to be feminine, and although he understood he was born male and agreed he is a boy, the family did not believe in forcing him to comply with gender stereotypes. Where in the heck did they get that idea? Well, our culture keeps talking about it all day long. Now, he has older sisters and was known to cavort around wearing their dresses and show a desire to wear his hair long, just like them. Children mimic older siblings and their parents, don't they? All day long they do. We explained that encouraging a toddler to take on the dress code of the opposite sex is as confusing as telling him he is really a girl. Walt Heyer, sex change victim and advocate against transitioning minors, speaks about his own experience. Walt's grandmother dressed him as a girl when he was four years old, a move he calls child abuse. Heyer was diagnosed with gender dysphoria, transitioned to a woman, and then transitioned back. He wants to warn others of the dangers of encouraging children to identify as another sex. Affirmation of cross-gender sex identities is child abuse, and I have been dealing with the consequences in my life for 75 years, he told the Daily Caller News Foundation. We referred the dad to our video of Walt's presentation at our 2021 Safe Schools Summit. The link to his presentation is in our show notes. The good news is this five-year-old boy went shopping with dad and selected numerous outfits from the boys' department featuring superheroes. Don't allow your children to be confused about their biological sex. Encourage them to celebrate who they really are. And last but certainly not least, I have an announcement. Since 2018, we have been growing parents' rights in education and expanding our reach and influence for parents' rights in education throughout the U.S. On February 4th, Pre will launch a new look and strategy, and we want you to be the first to take advantage of it. 
Many of you have been active in our effort to expose the far-left influences in public education. And now we will open it up officially for every state in the United States and beyond. Some of our exciting features include 51-plus individual websites for national parents' rights in education and every state and affiliate. State and affiliate chapter sites will feature state leaders and local chapters. Leaders will have the capacity to post and share information about regional and local events, media, legislation, and challenges. Each site will have communication portals for inquiries and resources so necessary to restore parents' rights. We will also have social media sites and support for Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Vimeo, and Instagram. We have professionals who will train our leaders and volunteers to achieve the very best results with these platforms. We'll have free online on-demand training, equipping leaders and volunteers to be effective in the public square. Right now, we have over 20 individual trainings for two tracks, present testimonies to rock the house and run for school board like a pro. These easy-to-use trainings include simple instructions, a quiz, and pre-certification when complete. All leaders will want to take these classes so that you know where to send your team for success. In addition, our entire platform will allow anyone who comes to us for help or desire to contribute will be able to navigate easily and sign up for benefits with ease. And yes, we are tightening up our affiliation agreements to cover more specifics like coalitions, insurance liability coverage, etc. We are here to serve you. Together, we will clean up the K-12 public school system mess. All of this is amazing, but the most exciting is our new branding. Pre-engaged professionals to come up with a concept you are going to love. The graphic is unique, simple, and compelling. It depicts perfectly who we are and what we do. Even better, no one will look like us. Shh. We even have an artist creating unique illustrations just for pre. So, start preparing your most compelling information for your pre-website. We will have the template set up. You do the rest. This is Parents' Rights Now. Please check your show notes for links pertinent to this podcast. Please consider making a monthly contribution to Parents' Rights in Education. We need your help. We have big plans in mind. And because of a very generous one-time contribution of $25,000, we are challenging our listeners and our readers, all of our supporters, to match that. Gives $12 a month. 
if there were only 500 of you, that would tally up to $6,000 a month, almost tripling the $25,000 check we just received in one year. Be part of that club. We call it the 12 by 12 club. A link to our website is in the show notes or go to parentsrightsined.org. See you soon.